Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. Stay tuned to hear a message from God. Enjoy, and God bless. This week we're going to be talking about clear conscience also, uh, part two. And we started out with the process that the number one, I believe the number one enemy to a a Christian's life is guilt, condemnation, and shame. Um, There are many Christians who are bound by their past, and they really just can't get, they can't move forward. Um, And if you can relate to me, I know we all can relate. Uh, you can't move forward. It just seems like you're working real hard just to do right. Uh, it seems like you're not me- making any progress. Um, but the Lord says the standard that we go by with, with the world ain't the same standard he go by. See, it might not look like you're making any pro- progress physically, financially, materially. But the Lord said he's working. He's changing you. All right? You are being transformed, whether you know it or not, especially if you got a relationship with him. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 21. Clear conscience. How can we get a clear conscience where no sin, where no sin convicts your conscience? And there is a way that you can live in your faith where your conscience is clean. Well, you really, you know you've done something wrong, but you just feel like you just ain't never done nothing. You ain't never done nothing, anything wrong. Um, and you can have a clean conscience through the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be walking around guilty, shameful, thinking about a sin that you did years ago. Especially when the blood And the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from all unrighteousness. When you've asked for forgiveness, when you've repented from that sin, that sin should come back and haunt you. Let's read. Therefore, from now on, regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for teaching and leading me, Lord God, on how to translate or convey this to your people, Lord. I pray you use my mind, my tongue. Lord, I yield to you. I don't know, Lord God. I yield to you, Lord God. You teach your people, Lord. I yield to you. 
In Jesus' name, thank you for opening up the eyes of our understanding this morning on your righteousness. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, <laughs> this is the day. If you're stuck, this is the day you become unstuck. Amen. I want to put an expectation on you about this word. This is a very, very powerful, monumental uh, subject that I will be talking about today. Uh, you were made for more than what you are producing today. Jesus has a life in this life that is revealed in his will for your life. You know deep down inside is more. How many of y'all can relate to that? You know deep down is inside is more than what you're going, than what you're experiencing now. Amen. And that sure enough is the truth. Amen. The reason you feel that because you know it is. All right. And it's, it's, it, and it's not about more money. It's not about getting your career in order. It's not about whatever the world projects as success. It is in who Christ says you are and not in your pain or the life you have experienced. Many Christians are living up to their created value and purpose. But one main reason, I believe, is for this is a lack of understanding of what Christ has provided for his people and who has made them to be. There's a great disconnect between what we know and what Christ wants us to know. The biblical term for this is lack of knowledge or, the, or to be ignorant means to not know. Especially pertaining to the cross and the results of the cross. There's more to the death of the cross than you going to heaven. Let me expound on that. The cross is not necessarily about you going to heaven only. The cross and what Jesus done for you is about transformation. It's about life. It's about a new beginning. It's about starting life again. It's about getting a second chance at doing things right. All right? The cross is about transformation. It was, it's about how you was created to be in the first place. All right? It was about buying you back to get you back to the original state that you were supposed to be in your purpose before Adam's sin. The cross is about Jesus and what he's done for you. All right? And to show you an example of God's love for you and the example of God's. Before the cross, we didn't know that God loved the world. Think about that. Before Jesus died on the cross, we didn't know God loved the world. We knew God loved his people, the children of Israel. But there was no hope for me as a Gentile. Why? Because there was no promises for me in God pertaining to God for me. It wasn't. My relationship started at the cross. All right? My relationship wasn't in the Old Testament. All right? God never came down and showed the world that he loved everybody before the cross. He only showed he loved his people, which was the Jews. Amen? 
And then he only loved them if they did what he said. He only delivered them then. If they didn't do what he said, they got annihilated. If you go back in the Old Testament and you, and you analyze the behavior of the Jews, every time they was in sin, God didn't come through. And God was a merciful God. You got to understand, when, when, when the Israel was being judged, these was a span of years and hundreds of years between the times. But we can go all and read each judgment. But it still was hundreds of years. God was, God was merciful. He gave them time to repent. Amen. But Jesus didn't never tell me to know God that way. I got good news for you. Jesus told me to look at him to know God. Jesus told me to follow him to know God. He said, when you see me, you see God. Philip asked Jesus, well, then show us the Father that it may suffice us. And Jesus says, Philip, Philip, how long was I must be with you? When you see me, you see God. See, many people trying to know God's character in the Old Testament. I mean, and there is some things, some shadows and types that we can grab, but God's intentions for you to know him is through Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the perfect image of God. Jesus never said anything of himself. He never done anything of himself. So every time you see Jesus, you see God. All right. So when God, when, when the woman with the issue of blood came along and she touched the hem of his garment and, 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 and the Bible says virtue came out of Jesus and healed her. All right. So when the woman that was caught in the act of adultery and they came and they tried to stone her and they asked Jesus, the law, the law of Moses say stone her, Jesus. He said, but then they asked him, but what do you say? Those words that came out of Jesus' mouth. Was not Jesus. It was God. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin. No more. He had, he had confronted them and said, you without sin cast the first stone. And then she looked up. She said, and, and then he, he said, no one condemned thee, me, Lord. And then he said, neither do I. That was God. That wasn't Jesus. So you got you to gotta understand about Studying Jesus out. When we see Jesus, we see God. So this is what Jesus taught me. And I, I got to annihilate all this right quick. How I many of y'all growed up and um, y'all heard the term, God going to get you for that? <laughs> God going to get you for that? God going to get you. Amen. How I many of y'all heard that? I remember we, we lived next door to a church. All right. And... Uh, <laughs> We used to play football, you know, 8, 10, 9, 12, you know, a cuss word going to come out, you know, and uh, we on God's property, you know, you said a cuss word, he going to strike you down. So we seen God as this lightning bolt, you know, like Zeus, you know what I'm saying? But do, and then, so we always had this fear that God was going to get us. All right. Where do we get this picture from? Where would we get this image from of God? Where do we get this from? All right. Think about it. Did we get it from Jesus? All right. Did we get it from Jesus? Why? Why would we see God going to get you? Jesus love you and forgive you. How many of y'all got that? God going to get you. But Jesus, we're going to get if you want forgiveness, we go to Jesus. We ain't going to God. But the reality is. Jesus is God. If you don't see Jesus get nobody. God don't. A lot of getting you see people get is they reap what they sold. They sold sin. 
The Bible says the wages of sin is death, not God. The Bible says that God turned his back on Jesus, then death came and got Jesus, not God. See, if God had something to do with death, he should have got Jesus on the cross. If God got something to do with death, he should have got Jesus. Why? Because that was, the, that was the epitome of unrepentant sin. That was the whole world's unrepentant sin. And if God killed, he should have killed Jesus on the cross. So, where do I get the image that God don't kill? Well, I look at Jesus. Do we see Jesus killed? So, I never have a fear that God going to get me. Now, I have a fear that if I sow something, I reap. Because you can't continue. You cannot sow in the flesh and, don't, and expect life. Many people, especially in the world, they want to reap where they ain't sold at. They want to do what they want to in the flesh, but then want God to bless and give you all these blessings. No, God wants you to start sowing some seeds of righteousness. The Bible said you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. You sow to the spirit, you're going to reap life. Amen? So this is what's going to help you clear your conscience. Because your conscience will say, you know you did that in the world. You know you did this. You know you did that. You know what's keeping a lot of people back? Guilt, shame, and condemnation. Guilt, shame, and condemnation. And then on top of that, you know the enemy going to put on there. You know God. You know God took you. He took your grandmama. I had a brother come to church. He come to church. He said, uh, you know, my homie just got shot, you know. And uh, God took him. I say, God didn't take him? How can he be the author of life and death? The Bible says a kingdom divided against itself can't stand. So how can he he give life and then knock him folks off? How? So who took him? Somebody bad choice. Not God. God Now God might receive him if he was born again. Amen. I, I admit that. But God ain't taking nobody. Why? We don't see Jesus take nobody. And he was the perfect image of God. He was the exact likeness of God. He wasn't a shadow and a type. He was the exact likeness of God. He was the visible image of the invisible God. And guess what I'm knocking out? A bunch of stuff that we've been taught that Jesus didn't teach us. All right? A bunch of stuff. Why? Because when my daddy died, not one inch of me came into me talking about, God, why you take him? Not one inch. My daddy's sitting there dead in the hospital bed. And zero feelings that God had something to do with that come in my mind. Now, I meet many people all the time. All the time. Blaming God. And you know the devil going to get in on that. You know he going to get in on that. Yeah, you know God has something to do with that. If he loved you, then why he didn't stop it? If he loved you, then why he didn't do something about it? Why he let it happen? And the reality is, he gave us choice. Why we can't blame this on somebody made a bad choice? And I know sometimes things are accidents, and I blame that on Adam. 
The Bible says through one man's offense, death reigns. Through the obedience of another man, life reigns. Grace reigns, right? So death reigns through the one man. Who? Adam. So I blame Adam. If I came, I don't know what it is. Why did this happen, Adam? <laughs> Why? Because the God of this world. Now, you got to understand, this world have a God that ain't Jesus. All right? So you got to understand the atmosphere. Do you, do you have people saying, if God loved me or if God care, then why are all those people over in Africa starving? Why these people? You go and look. I'm, if you can blame God, go to a children's hospital. How would you have the nerve? You know that ain't right. Even an atheist can say that ain't right. When you see those babies in there suffering, leukemia and stuff, that stuff ain't God. Why would God, why would I send my son through that? Think about that. Why would you send your child through that? And the Bible says we earthly know how to treat and love our children. How much more our Heavenly Father know how to love us. Why would I send my son through that? Why would I teach my son about fire? We were talking about in Sunday school. I teach my son about fire. I grab his hand. I turn on the stove. And I say, hey, come on, son. Let me teach you about fire. <laughs> what kind of father would I be? You know, people talk about God, and that's how they talk about him. You know, God just sending me through this. Hmm. You mean to tell me God want to take you out? No, he don't want to take you out. But you do have an enemy. You do have an enemy. And he would love to blame God for all the bad stuff that's happening to you. He would love to say, you know God, you know God, you know God. Why? Because you'll never run to him. You'll never go to him. You'll never look to him. You'll never worship him. Because now you will have an offense towards God. You know what the devil want to do? He wants you to get offended at God. You know Why? Because you'll never believe in him. You'll never totally give your whole life to him. Because we'll always see God like that person who said they love us, but then they backstabbed us. He wanted, the devil want to make God imperfect. And what I'm knocking out is, I'm knocking out a lot of stuff in your conscience. that, uh, And y'all know what I'm, I'm talking about, no question marks. I'm talking about them question marks. And them question marks cause doubt. Anytime you got a question mark, it cause doubt. It cause you to be timid. It, when, when you don't know something, think about it. When you don't know something, you always timid. You always doubtful. But if I told you, you told I say, I say, what's your name? What's your name, son? Josiah. I say, no, it ain't. No, it ain't no Josiah. Now, I know your grandmama, boy. It ain't Josiah. I know, I know, I'm telling you, it ain't Josiah. What would you tell me? Yes, it is. Why? Because you know it. Because you know it. All right. Now, why would you doubt what you know? You wouldn't. Two plus two equals four. No, it ain't. It's five. It's five. I don't, tell, I don't care what you say. My mama told mama saw that. Mama said. Mama, my mama said it was five. And I don't care what you say. Mama said it was five. But how can I convince you it's five? I couldn't when you knew. You wouldn't even, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even bite the hook. 
Now, when you're uncertain, when you're doubtful, that's when you can get tricked. When you don't know. That's why ignorance in the body of Christ has to be eradicated. Ignorant has to be eradicated. Why? Because ignorance is the evidence that there is no knowledge of truth. And we're not talking about just facts. We're talking about absolute truth that only comes from Jesus. Ignorance has to be annihilated. And it has to come from Jesus. The truth has to be in Jesus. This is why I have to start my relationship off in Christ. I know God through Jesus. I know God through the foot of the cross. Not him judging the prophets of Baal. Amen? Not him judging, and, 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 and we teach these stories in the Old Testament, but God want me to know him through Jesus. Jesus said, follow me, not Moses. Mm. Now, I do learn from the whole Bible. Don't get me wrong. But Jesus told me to follow him. Amen? He said, listen to my words. He said, follow my teachings. Amen. And we must eradicate ignorance in the body of Christ. Because ignorance is evidence that we don't know truth. And where there is ignorance, the enemy has. He has a foothold. He has a right. You have you are subject to believe anything without truth. Truth reveal lies. And when we don't know truth, you will believe. Now hold up. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. You are designed to believe something. Uh, hold on, let me get, get break it on even down even further. You are believing something whether you know it or not. Whether it's Jesus, whether it's the devil, whether it's anything. You are believing something. You have accepted something that's truth to you. To you. Whether you whether you whether it's whether it's right, whether it's wrong, we have accepted something, right? Why? Because we designed that way. All right? But I want you to make your, put your faith and trust in Jesus and what he says that comes out of your mouth. So we must eradicate ignorance. How many of y'all on board for that? Amen. Amen. Lord, eradicate the ignorance that's in my life. Praise God. Or the, or the, the lack of knowledge of me knowing who he is. Amen. Hold on. Let me get law back in right quick. All right, the first scripture, we ain't went to no scriptures. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> oh. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and one truth I will pound in you is this one. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Verse 21 is, for he who... For, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin that we might become. Say become. become. The righteousness of God. Amen. Say, I am the righteousness of God. All right. Immediately when you say that, your flesh going to stand up and say, yeah, right. You remember what you did? When you start believing this, doubt going to come into your head. Now, what does this mean? Can I get two volunteers? Two volunteers. Come on, Tanika. Two volunteers. One more, please. Please. 
One more, please. I need you right here facing the audience, and I need you over here facing the audience. Okay. Amen. With joy. With joy. We obey with joy. Amen. All right. The Bible says that Jesus was made to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. All right? There is an exchange of places that happened when Jesus chose to die. Our spiritual positions changed when Jesus died. Amen? Jesus did more than just save us from hell. No, he traded places with us. To better illustrate this, how many of y'all seen the movie Trading Places with Eddie Murphy? Trading Places. Who haven't seen the movie? Haven't seen the movie? Okay, let me give you a quick synopsis. At the beginning of the movie, Eddie Murphy is a, I'm telling you, a homeless person. Or oh, he acting like a homeless person anyway. And he is conning people. He is riding on this board, and it looked like he have no legs. So he's riding around pushing with his arms. I have no legs. I have no legs. And in the, and that's the beginning of the movie. And he's pushing that board and he's conning people out of money because he want to get, you know, he want to get, um, get some change. So in the movie, to make a long story short, there was a very rich individual who worked on Wall Street. And they traded places. Eddie Murphy became the rich person, all right? And the rich person became Eddie Murphy's position. That means poor, beggar, hustler, conning, you know? And essentially, this is what happened when Jesus was made to be sin for us, all right? The Bible says that Jesus was made to be sin. Let's look at it as being poor, all right? Jesus was made to be poor so that we, through his poverty, might have abundance. Now, we know Jesus ain't never done nothing wrong. We'll call this the abundant side, and we'll call that the poor side. We know Jesus, he have never done anything wrong, right? So, he couldn't be on the poor side, and we know God ain't broke. Come on, we, we, we fighting over the stuff they walking on up there. All right, gold. They got streets paid in gold. We killing folks down here over it, right? They walking on it. Now, we know God ain't broke. Never will happen, ever. God is always abundance, more than enough. Amen? Amen. Royalty, praise God. The Bible says that Jesus humbled himself as a man. He humbled himself. He left his divinity in heaven, or he left his spiritual position, or was it his, let's say, uh, advantages of being God. He put them on the self. The Bible says he humbled himself as a man. The Bible says he was made poor. Amen? Then um, <clears throat> the Bible says that when Jesus died, and made sin, became sin for us, we became something. Now, we can't stay where we was. See, Jesus became who we was so we can become what he is. Now, this is the reality of what happened when he died on the cross for us. This is why we get to go to heaven. Jesus became a sacrifice in our place. 
and became poor that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, many churches are not teaching that you are the righteousness of God in Christ if you believed and trust in the cross. You still, oh, sinner, saved by grace. You old filthy. How many of y'all have heard that you just a sinner? I'm just a sinner saved by grace, right? I'm just old filthy. Minstrel pad. That's what, they, that's what they saying. But the Bible says you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, let's switch places. Come on, Tanika. Come on over here. Tanika is Jesus becoming like us. And Deja is us becoming like Jesus. So the reality is you are the righteousness of God now. Based on what? Amen. Based on Jesus. It's based on Jesus. It was the works of Jesus that you got saved from. Not yours. Many people trying to work to get here. We're trying our hardest. We're doing our best. And the reality, we'll never get here. This has to be a gift. Do you understand what this position is? This is perfection. This is sinless. This is without a single fault. Ain't no way you're going to work to get there. Why? It's too late. You already lied yesterday. That's the reality. You'll never be able to work to get here. You'll never, it's nothing you can do to get here. If this ain't a gift, you ain't going to never get it. Right? Can I get an amen? amen? Amen. Now, we'll talk about works in a little bit. Amen. But this has to be a gift that you need to receive. How do I know if you have received it? Well, how do you know if you received anything? All right, I got Sister Beth here. She came in this morning. It says Pastor Jasper on it. And she, it's, it's just nice, ain't it? So sweet. Sister Beth, just so nice. Now, this is a gift for me. Amen? I, when she gave it to me, I said, thank you. Thank you. What is thank you? Thank you is a sign of some that you have what? Received. That you're showing a gratitude for a gift. No matter what's in it, thank you. Especially if it's a gift. Oh, so now, how do I know if you have received? Well, how do God know if you have received this gift? You know, many people I, I, I've run into, I ask them, when the last time you thank God for the cross? When the last time you thank God for making you the righteousness of God? Think about that. When the last time have you thanked God for making you the righteousness of God? Why? Because that thank you is a sign that you have received. It's a sign that you have received. All right? If Jesus saved you and it's a gift that we have received, then we should have some thank yous on our lips. Amen? All right, y'all give them some thank, gratitude for coming. Thank y'all. I appreciate it. Now, this is very difficult for some because you have some people easily accept gifts and some people have a hard time receiving anything. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, 
Many still believe that it's a shock. You know why people think it's a shock? Because <clears throat> I believe uh, they want to have something to do with it. But you can't have nothing to do with salvation. Why? Because this was all God's idea. Salvation, your righteousness, God decided to make you righteous, was his idea, not yours. Listen, you didn't choose him. He chose you. He chose you. He chose you. He chose to come and redeem you. He chose to come and take your sins away. Amen? There's many people in hell right now that Jesus have taken their sins away. They, they just ain't received it. And the Bible says we must, we must tell them. The Bible says he's commissioned us to, the, with the ministry of reconciliation that by word and deed we aim to bring others into harmony with God. That God was personally present in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not holding men of their trespasses, but canceling them. All right? So it has to be a gift. Say a gift. Romans 3, verse 21 through 22 says, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, through the faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. All right? There is a righteousness to obtain from God apart from your... The law represents what you can do in your strength apart from God. Because the law is just... You shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do this. And so now the pressure is on you to perform, right? That's what laws represents. Laws represents what you can do in your strength and your abilities, especially the, the, the Ten Commandments, all right? The Ten Commandments, the, big, the biggest difference between Jesus' commandments and, and the Ten Commandments is uh, the Ten Commandments just tell you what to do. Jesus showed you how to do it. You actually have <clears throat> an enablement and a grace to actually do what Jesus says. Ten Commandments just say, you do this, don't do this, don't do that. That's not a relationship with God. If, I, if, you, if, if we wanted to come into a fellowship with each other more, and you say, I want to get to know you, Pastor Jasper. You know, I want to get to know you. And then I hand you a list of rules and say, there you go. Would that be getting to know me? No, that's not getting to know me at all. That's not a relationship with God. God desires relationship, right? All right? He don't want you in a relationship with a system. He don't want you in a relationship with a denomination. He wants you in a, in a relationship with a, with a person. Not a bunch of rules. Amen? Even though rules are good. I'm not discrediting rules. But I'm talking about in your relationship with God. Right? He says right here that the righteousness of God is revealed apart from the law. All right? Now, this is so good. I'm glad the Lord gave you this revelation. It's so powerful. The gospel is so good that your flesh would say, you mean I can just sin? Listen, you ain't preaching the gospel if, some, if that question don't come up. Yeah. All right? The gospel is so good that the flesh would try to equate, equate it as, you mean I can just do what I want? Eat? I mean, I'm already righteous. And it was just a gift, and I ain't got to earn it? You mean I can just sin and get away with it? Like, I could just do what I want now? Praise God, I could do what I want, right? And many times, Paul had to come back, and that's how good the gospel is, y'all. Don't get me wrong. In Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, he says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. 
How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? We must believe that we are saved by the works of God. This was all God's plan to make you righteous. Say it with me. I am righteous. All right. Immediately when you say this, there automatically, if you've not been trained that you are the righteous of God in Christ, automatically within you a fight is being waged. It starts. What is, it, what is this fight? Your flesh reminding you of all the junk you're doing. Your flesh reminding you of all the stuff that you used to be. Your flesh coming up saying, yeah, right, you ain't the righteousness of God. Yeah, right. There's a fight that starts within your soul that conflicts it because of your imperfections in your flesh. But we read in Romans chapter, not Romans, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, the start of that, it says, no, no man after the flesh. We once knew Christ after the flesh, and yet we know him no longer after the flesh. And what does that mean? That means they tried to know Jesus after the flesh when he was walking on the earth. What does that mean? He just marries, boy. Oh, this that. Is this Joseph? That's Joseph. That's Jesus, man. That's Joseph's boy. How can he be the Messiah? They tried to know him after the flesh. You know, a lot of people try to know Jesus after the flesh. What? You know, Jesus, you know, <laughs> you know, you got these black Jesus and these blue-eyed Jesuses, you know. I wonder what color Jesus' skin was. They trying to know Jesus after the flesh, right? All right. But the Bible says we no longer know him after the flesh. Jesus will walk around and say, he said, I'm from the book. Just imagine. Jesus walking around talking about, I'm from above, you from beneath, and we know you as Joseph's boy. That's just like saying, I know Jasper, and I'm, I automatically start saying, look, man, I ain't from this world, man. <laughs> and you're like, huh? I'm like, yeah, man, I ain't from this world. Y'all from, a, I'm from above, y'all from beneath. I am not of this world. And that's what Jesus was expressing. He said, I'm not of this world. They's like, huh? Ain't you married? And they was new on Jesus after the flesh. But Jesus wasn't. He didn't know himself after the flesh. Why? When, when, Jesus met, when Jesus' mother came to visit him. And they said, Jesus, your mama and your brother out here, they want to see you. He said, who, he said, who, is, who, is, who is my brother? That is a teaching point. He said, my brothers and sisters is those who do the will of God. Who hear the will of God and do it. He said, these are my brothers and sisters. And so Jesus, Jesus didn't even identify, because in the spirit, who, who was he? He was God. He was God. Amen. So if Jesus didn't know himself after the flesh, how much more we need to know ourselves? Not after the flesh. You are not your flesh. Oh, wow. Then who am I? Because you are something. You know, the enemy that made us the flesh. When you, what, why, what, why, why in the world we must become born again then? He said those who are born of the water and the spirit. That means you must be born again. We were born in the flesh, but there is another birth that must happen. And it's called being born of the spirit. You must start, as a believer, you must start believing and accepting who you are in the spirit, not after this thinking flesh. Because as you, ex as you accept this, 
then your behaviors line up. Why? Because you cannot produce after the flesh when you the spirit. The flesh can't produce the spirit, and the spirit can't produce the flesh. We have to get in the flesh to produce some sins. Right? How many of y'all done got in the flesh? Me? And guess what you're going to produce? Sin. Amen? But then you get in the spirit, you start producing righteousness. You actually start wanting to do right. Why do you think you want to do right? That's coming from your spirit. The flesh don't never want to do right. All right? But can we somehow start believing and honing our faith on that good that's on us and in us to produce good? Many are trying to do good, and they fall back into sin. They trying, they trying, they trying, and they haven't accepted that you are a new creature in Christ. Old things. Now, this is so good. Old things. Let's focus on old things. Now, I know we probably done been a little bit time, but I got to hit this one. The Bible says, if it's dead, listen, if it's dead, let it rest in peace. I'm telling you. The Bible says, the dead always make room for the new. When something dies, it's making room for something new. It's making room for something new. And the enemy want to keep old things alive. He want to keep how you was, who you are. He want to keep your flesh alive. All right? The Bible says old things passed away. And behold, that means pay attention, all things have become new. New. That means there is a new set of rules, there's a new set of perspectives, there's a new set of understanding that must come. Letting the past die, when something dies, is make way for new life. This is a reality that must explode within you. The old is gone. But Jesus say, okay, I don't remember your sins no more. But then you got everybody else who do. You got the government who ain't going to never let you forget what you done did 15, 20 years ago. You got people from your brothers and sisters. You remember you hit me when I was 10. I never, I never forgot it. I never forgot it. And they six, and this is so sad because they're my auntie knew. I mean, this stuff, I'm not, this is not a scenario. Like, this real stuff, I'm like. Wow, she is really bad about something that happened 10 years, when they was 10, and they almost 80. <laughs> like, this is a real scenario. I'm tripping, right? I'm like, wow, this is what that means to keep old things alive, to keep old things that's supposed to be dead alive, because that's how I look. Like, man, this is a disgusting situation. The die, how many of y'all seen death on an animal? Death on an animal, where the maggots and things start crawling through it, it's, it's death, right? That's the epitome of death. Why do we get, get disgusted with that? Because we was never designed to even experience death. Why do we see, when you see the, you, they, the, the scary movies, when you see the teeth all out the side and they looking all crazy, why, why does that freak us out? We was never designed to experience it. 
We were designed to live forever with no sign of death. That's why that stuff creeps us out. Amen. So the government keep reminding us. Family members keep reminding us. You know, I remember when I first got saved, like I was coming off the street and I was gone two years, three years off the street with Jesus. And I see people in grocery stores, see people in the streets. Where you been? Where you do time at? They, they, they automatically thought I did time. You know, because in the streets, you know, that's how it is. When somebody disappeared, oh, they probably doing some time. You ain't heard they died or nothing, you know. <laughs> so you automatically equate they doing time. But the reality is, why is the Bible saying for me to old things passed away and then everybody else reminding me of who I am? Or who I was. And the devil reminded me. You know, this is just who you are. You just one of them. You just, you just who you are. You just got to get it like this. And the enemy, guess what he wanted to do? He wants you to settle down in an identity that God didn't give you. However he can do that. He wants you to settle down in an identity that God didn't give you. Why? Because you'll produce behavior that God don't want you to produce. If you accept God's identity for you, that's the behavior. You want to fix something? It's not stopping. It's somewhere you believe in your knower that's not God. Somewhere we have accepted something that's true that keep us producing this area. All right. When we see sin, the Bible calls sin some type of fruit. That means there is another source of this fruit that causing this life to come. So if you see sin, there is something giving it life. There is something alive, and it ain't from the scriptures, that causing this fruit to grow. So, but that's you and Jesus' job. Lord, what is it? Lord, what's causing me to keep producing this stuff, Lord? What's causing me, Lord, to, to keep liking this? Why I like that when you say otherwise? See, our mistakes supposed to push us in a relationship with Jesus, not away from him. See, when we run away from God, that's evidence that the enemy is, he is in that thing. Because the closer you get to God, the more understanding you're going to get. And if you get some, because I said earlier, ignorance, number one enemy in the body of Christ. The closer you get to God, the closer you, the more you're going to know. The more you're going to destroy ignorance in your life so you can find out information that you are disconnected from. So guess what he wants you to do? Just what Jesus said when I first got saved. Everything screwed up. Everything screwed up, right? How many of y'all, when y'all first got saved, all your sin just disappeared? Uh, girl, do I, have to, do I have to call you a liar in front of the whole church? <laughs> All your sins just disappear after you got saved? No, it didn't. But Jesus taught me this. He said, do not let what you do stop you from moving into a relationship with me. Because that's the only way you really going to stop. If you get closer to Jesus, if you get closer to the understanding that you are the righteousness of God, this understanding must be known unto you. There is some ignorance that's in our soul that we don't know from truth that we don't know. Amen? So my job is to keep pushing you into that relationship with him, right? All right, as we close, my sister, I don't know how long I've been up here, Pastor, jo Pastor Julius. Amen.
But it was good anyway, right? All right. Amen. As we uh, close, what I want to teach you is to be great receivers. It's to teach you how to receive from God. All right. Um, A lot of times your number one obedience to God, the number number one thing we do when we obey, the number one commandment we do when we first respond to God is to repent. That's the first commandment that every Christian must obey to start their relationship with God. He is calling for us to repent. then as we move forward in our relationship with God, there is a continual repentance that that transpires that I've learned that is benefit for us. It's a benefit. It's good for us. It's just to acknowledge, admit to, to God that we need him. It's a dependency that must be developed every born again believer that we need God just like a baby with his mother if the mother don't take care of that child that baby would not survive there's nothing that child can do for himself this is how we must be converted when we become born again we must be dependent on God just like a nursing baby is to his mother and that's a wrap thanks again for tuning in to the restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We believe God has encouraged and empowered your hearts with this message. If you would like to learn more about our church, please visit our website at r4sq.org. If you have a prayer request, please email us your prayer request at amen at r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.